Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 40 of Ask the CEO with Avraham Gatile. Today, I'd like to introduce a very special guest. He's a top B2B IT influencer who helps businesses grow their online audience and leverage social media as a B2B sales, networking, lead generation, and thought leadership tool. He's been named one of the top 20 most mentioned on Twitter by CIOs and CMOs in 2016. He has over 20 years of sales, alliances, and biz dev experience in the telecom and IT industry. In 2016, he's been ranked, according to Analytica, number one influencer in Unify Communication, number six in IoT, and number five influencer in Cloud. It is my honor and pleasure to welcome the one and only Evan Kerstel. Welcome, Evan. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for joining. It's my pleasure. How are you doing today? Oh, pretty good for a Wednesday. <laughs> That's awesome. Where are you based out of? I'm outside Boston. Nice. Uh, Boston is a beautiful city. I've been there many times. It is this time of year. No, def definitely come now or in the fall. Cool. I know you're a busy guy. We've got you uh, speaking at Telecom Exchange next week. I'm really excited to be uh, seeing you there. Yeah, I'll see you there. I'm hosting a couple of panels, and it's always a really great event, really intimate, and uh, great you know, kind of face-to-face -face networking opportunity. Absolutely. So, you know, Evan, social selling is a hot topic these days, and everyone's always looking to leverage social media any way they can. Uh, first of all, can you define for the audience what exactly is social selling? And also, how can you help people leverage social media to grow their businesses? Yeah, I'd say social selling is the new way of selling. Those of you who grow up in sales remember the days of basically cold calling, you know, having prospects come out of a phone book almost, and really having no particular relationship or knowledge of your prospects. Um, so, of course, we're the exact opposite today. We know exactly who our customers are, where they are. It's just a matter of how to engage them, reach them, uh, and, and build a relationship versus simply uh, interrupting them with, with a call. So it's sort of the new way of not just selling, but relationship bi uh, building and, and knowledge building and research and um, you know, turning the salesperson into a marketer in many ways and also a consultant. Yeah, and really it boils down to the basics, which is human-to-human -human relationship. Yeah, and of course that wasn't possible before the rise of, of social networks. But, um, you know, we're all interconnected now and given tools that exist within LinkedIn, of course, networks like Twitter and others, you can get uh, the opportunity to build relationships well in advance of asking for a sale. So it's a matter of um, identifying and building relationships with prospects before you actually try to ask for something. Gotcha. So... Uh, what kinds of uh, ways do you work with uh, businesses to help them grow their business uh, through social media? Yeah, so I'm really focused on the B2B side of things. Um, in particular, how do, how do companies which have been traditionally pretty slow to adopt uh, social strategies and social techniques and tools and platforms, how, do, how does this new world of B2B marketing leverage social media and it's early days we're sort of in the second or third inning of b2b and in social of course the b2c side is is well well established and understood um 
So it's about applying, you know, helping uh, my clients apply best tools, practices, techniques, tricks, and hacks, and et cetera, to uh, build essentially a community or an audience around their social handles. Nice. And, you know, uh, like you said, with regards to, to the B2B, um, while it's not as established as the B2C, uh, but businesses are trying to jump on the bandwagon now because they realize how valuable uh, social selling really is. Well, it's valuable because that's where their customers are and that's where they're spending time. And if you're going to find your customers, you need to go to where they are. And increasingly, they're on LinkedIn, they're on Twitter, they're on Facebook and other channels. And so that's where you need to be if you're going to engage them and educate them and sell to them, you know, as part of this social selling process. Yeah, great point. Um, so, Evan, who would be a good candidate for you to work with you in order to uh, grow their business? So most of my clients uh, are, are actually vendors in the B2B world. They're providers of platforms and application solutions and services focused on enterprise, cloud, telecom, IT. Um, so they're the ones that are, I'm sort of tag teaming with or partnering with to help uh, leverage social networks as, as a new channel for them. Great. So, uh, Evan, one of the things we like doing is answering questions from the audience. A lot of people have many different questions when it comes to social media. Uh, sure. So, our first question is from Jamie Kataya, founder and CEO of JCN Associates. Oh, that's a loaded question. I'm seeing her next week. <laughs> the check's in the mail, Jamie. <laughs> so, Jamie asks, what does a typical day in the life of a social influencer look like? It's pretty much constant engagement from dawn till dusk. So there are a million things I do, but fundamentally what takes most of the time is engagement and curation and then some writing and, and some other content creation. But it's either constantly uh, engaging, creating content or sharing content, um, not only to establish my point of view, but to help my clients do that across their uh, footprint as well. So. If you look at my phone, you'd see about 30 different Twitter handles, uh, different accounts that I own. But then, of course, I help with many of my clients' accounts as well. Nice. Yeah, and creating uh, content just can't be uh, said enough how important that is. It takes a special talent to create, or as it's called, a creative. You know, sometimes uh, the more help you can get uh, creating content, the better off you are. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a team effort, and I think, but I also think there's a misunderstanding or misconception of what content creation is. It could be as little as a, a great photo, an infographic, you know, a sharing an insight in, on Twitter in three or four sentences, or just a friendly comment. So, I mean, content creation could take many forms. It could be a video, and it doesn't necessarily have to, to, to be something that takes, you know, days, weeks, and months to create. I mean, so I'm a big fan of just ad hoc content creation on the fly. And, um, you know, don't worry about it if it's not professionally, uh, uh, you know, managed and presented as long as it's uh, honest, genuine sort of reflection of your, your interest or your, 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 your values or what you're trying to achieve. Um, it's really noisy out there, so you have to really work hard to punch above the noise. That means just const constant content curation and creation. Gotcha. So our next question is from Ron Gold, who's the CEO of Lean on We Northern New Jersey. 
I ask, what is the mix of social media that you use? Yeah, I'd say it's almost all um, been Twitter and LinkedIn, given my B2B background. Although increasingly, I'm interested in Instagram. I'm, I'm finding a pretty interesting, robust community there that's uh, new to me. So I've been investing time on Instagram lately. Um, again, lots of noise and lots of youngsters running around Instagram, but there's some pretty cool people there as well. And um, there's some niche sites, you know, whether it's like a SlideShare or, um, you know, some, some, let's say, private communities around topics like Spiceworks and others. So, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of very niche networks, like some of the LinkedIn groups that are very focused on certain verticals or industries. But generally, I'd say LinkedIn and Twitter uh, and Instagram and then some Facebook groups secondarily are kind of where you want to spend most of your time. Ian Moise, uh, who, by the way, sends regards. Oh, yeah, another friend. This is all friendly questions. Come on, give me some, <laughs> give me some controversial questions here. So Ian Moise, sales director of Natterbox UK and social influencer in cloud and SaaS. So Ian asked, for those that don't have your level of cloud score or social influence, can you recommend the top three things someone can do to get known for their subject area? I'd say one is be patient. Um, you know, there's this rush. Everyone has to be in, you know, uh, in, a, in a rush to, be, to race up the mountain and up the side of the hill to be noticed right away. I mean, I've been tweeting and posting and active on LinkedIn and Twitter for seven, eight, eight more more years. So um, it takes patience to, to do this. And I think consistency, just, you know, day in, day out, be consistent in sharing your message or your themes and uh, there really are no are no shortcuts. There are a lot of, of tools that, that can be effective in terms of planning and uh, semi-automating some of what you do to make it more effective. But beyond that, it's really just a matter of effort and energy over time. And that's a really great point you make uh, because somebody's starting out, you're going to be working really hard for a long time and you may not see results right away. So having someone like yourself come out and share how long you've been doing it, um, that helps give perspective to what it takes. Yeah, and I think, you know, the key is to be yourself, but also emulate people who are being successful. Look at how, what they do, their, their, their formats, their, the way they approach uh, the business, and try to sort of uh, copy the ways that they're successful. So I do that with others who I admire. Uh, like Gary Vee and others. And, and so I'd encourage other people to do that as well. And that's a great point. I actually am a follower of Gary Vaynerchuk as well. Yeah, no, I mean, there's so much to learn from everyone. So, you know, find people to emulate and it may not be your style. I wouldn't try to copy them, but definitely find those nuggets and, uh, and insights and use them. Great. So our next question is from Barbara Noyes, a police officer with the South Nyack, New York Police Department. So Barbara asks, I run a small local nonprofit 501c3 all volunteer group called Penguin Plunge. We raise money for area children with serious medical illnesses. The bulk of the money is raised by organizing a polar plunge. We've been doing this for 10 years, but how do we make it go viral? There are so many kids who would need our help. I would say, um going viral is really not your choice. It's the choice of your followers and your viewers, but putting out great content is the first thing. I mean, you have a really 
compelling mission, you're doing valuable work, make, make sure it gets seen and heard. I mean, have, you know, have some great photography behind it, you know, have some really wonderful videos of people taking the plunge and get that content out there widely and try to find influencers locally in your area or folks who are in the, um, the nonprofit business to, uh, to share that content, you know, ask them, tag them, reference them and, and really ask for their help. And I'll find given your, your mission is, is, is really wonderful. You'll find a lot of support in that. But I think the first thing you have to do is ask, you know, specifically call out in different individuals to, to share and uh, retweet or repost or mention your content. And I think you'll find uh, success if you do that again, not just once, but day in, day out, week in, week out over time. Great. Our next question is from Nabil Nara. He's a business consultant and strategic advisor, founder of Premium Products International in Northern New Jersey. Nabil asks, social media has been a good platform for technology companies and changed the ways of doing business in that industry. Where do you see the future of social media for companies or regular consumer products you buy every day that are far behind in social media and lack the exposure or tools and resources and are terrified by the concept? Well, I mean, there are going to be a lot of winners and losers and there are a lot of, big, a lot of companies that are super successful and love, leverage these new channels. And uh, for, for, for every winner, there are potentially one or more many losers who don't adjust to this new world of digital marketing and social media marketing and lose out. And that, that doesn't apply to just tech. I mean, that's everything from the big fashion brands who are still doing billboards and, you know, banner ads to, uh, to, to tech, small tech companies. So you just got to go where your customers are. And if your customers are on social media, you got to figure out a way to, to engage and interact with them. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be, uh, uh, the highway is going to be littered with companies who don't make that mindset shift. The good news is that there are just tons of amazing startups who are innovating and using social almost in a guerrilla marketing tactic to go and find customers without giant uh, Microsoft or Oracle style budgets. And they're having amazing success by leveraging the power of community and these, the sort of open source world of social media to get the word out. So there are going to be many, you know, it's, that's the nature of disruptive change. It's not easy. So it's like Gary Vaynerchuk always says, not to be romantic with the way you do business. Yeah, I mean, if, you're, if you've been doing events and trade shows and, you know, magazine articles and magazine ads in your, your industry, I can think it's like, you know, telecom is that's the way sort of marketing has been done traditionally. Um, you probably don't know you're the ROI of that. And you're probably not able to even measure it. So mm -hmm. it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge to shift to this new world. Yeah. Um, our next question is from Gina Palumbo, managing director of Keller Williams commercial in Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Gina asks, how does a person get started social selling on Twitter and how often should you tweet? Yeah, I'm a big fan of, of being more busy and active than not. So at least a dozen times a day, putting, you know, great tweets out there. And there's, there's so much news and information and, and stuff to share that shouldn't be a problem. And then use tools like Buffer to schedule it out. Um, so yeah, I, I would think be, you know, being busy and just getting started is, is key. And then you'll find 
you know, the, uh, the potential, uh, let's say customers or business partners or clients, what have you will come to you over time. It's sort of one of those things you got to build it and they will come. It's not so much a matter of you finding uh, those clients as the clients finding you. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Today it's, it's the reverse of what it used to be. Like you started off with customers or are researching people uh, online and they're coming to you. Yeah. And it, but that, again, back to patients, I mean, you can't expect, you, you know, after a few days or weeks or months or even a year or two to have, to fa- have, have the, the, that, that epiphany, you know, you got to have faith that by building a great social media account or website, or blog or whatever it is, it, it's going to be an investment in time, and the return is is the long haul. So I haven't I haven't seen any you know short term wins on all this digital marketing technology. You have to build something, and if you're good and uh, the, you know the 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 win will be over the medium to long term. And once again, I'm so glad that you said that because for those of us that are starting out you know, we don't know what's, what's in front of us and what to expect. And it's, it's a long road. Um, and I'm so glad that you're saying that because even if things don't happen right away, as long as we're following um, the right steps and being consistent about it, then things will happen in the future in the long run. Or, or not. <laughs> I mean, I hate to, I don't want to turn this into the Gary Vee fan, fan club, but, you know, are, are you good enough? You know, right. you've got to prove uh, yourself. Uh, and if you are good enough, if as a, either as a as an analyst or as an insider or a market observer or whatever your your gig is or a salesperson, um, if, if you're good enough on these channels, whether it's an audio podcast or a video show or a Twitter account or or a blogger, you know, pick your medium, then you, you'll find the success you're looking for. But the the market decides that. So, and that's so true. So as a follow-up question, Gina asks, do you concentrate on your business only or alternate between business and social tweets? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, my business is my personal life, is my social life. So it's all sort of intermixed as a solo practitioner and solopreneur. So, you know, my interest in technology is pretty much my personal and professional interest. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't throw in very personal stuff like, you know, what you're eating for dinner or, you know, what your kids are doing, but definitely, you know, weekends and evenings, I'll add some more personal flavor if I'm traveling or there's some interesting observation, but again, you got to make these social channels, not about you, but about other people. And that's how you get interest. If it's all about you and what you're doing or what you're thinking all the time, it's not that interesting. If you make it about others, it'll be more interesting to, to potential followers. Yeah, and then also the others, the people that you're posting about will catch on and retweet that and they'll help you expand even further. Yeah, no, it's very much in favor of the quid pro quo kind of mindset. You know, give first and and then ask later. Yeah. Uh, Our next question is from Peter Craddle, CEO of Louisa Voice in Waldwick, New Jersey. So Peter asks, in your experience, are there IT and telecom products and services that lend them better to social media investments than others? For example, with a fixed marketing budget, is social media investments in products such as customer relationship management 
where there are more end users make more sense than in backup products where the population of decision makers and administrators is more concentrated? Yeah, I'd say any, any product or service or application can find its voice, its niche on social media. So I don't look at it as uh, that sort of ratio of customers to end users. I'd say, you know, no matter what your product, there is a community of interest around it. It's just a matter of how you find that community. Now, it may be a community of hundreds or, or thousands out of, you know, 330 million people on Twitter, but that's for you to go out and find. And, uh, and, and even a community of thousands can be really valuable if, if it's, uh, if it's well, well understood and defined. So I'd say every product has an opportunity. In some cases, it, maybe it's not the end users you're going for. Maybe it's the journalists, maybe it's the analysts, maybe it's other influencers, integrators or VARs or other par part of the value chain you're trying to meet. Maybe it is CIOs or end users, but no matter what it is, they're, they're, they can be found and identified on the, with the right, on the right platform in the right place and time. Great. Our next question, another friend of yours, um, Ken Heron, Chief Marketing Officer. Oh, yeah. Hey, yeah. <laughs> so Ken Heron is uh, Chief Marketing Officer of Unified Inbox in Orlando, Florida. Ken asks, IoT can be overwhelming. If I'm trying to create a smart, pun intended, IoT strategy for my business, what do you recommend? I say the key in areas like that is to engage with other influencers. So rather than trying to, to engage with everyone who might be tweeting or posting or blogging about IoT, you know, who are the top 100, 200, 500 voices and or vendors who are out there on the landscape? And try to get their engagement, follow back, retweets, and, and frankly, relationship over time. And that, that will cover the vast majority of the market is just by engaging with those influencers. So, you know, rather than try to boil the ocean and, and sort of engage with everyone in the, you know, hundreds of thousands of people tweeting about IoT, engage with, um, you know, the 90% of those who really matter in terms of their scope and their reach and their influence. And if you do that, again, over time and being patient, you'll, you'll be able to get your voice pretty widely heard. Next question is from Calvin Williams, Senior Network Engineer with Enquest in Fairfield, New Jersey. Calvin asks, what are some good practices for telecoms of any size to utilize social media, whether it be LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter? I'd say events are, are really great. So if you can either through the hashtag or, or other means participate virtually in events, that could be a really valuable way to get seen and heard. So there are, are, are literally daily, weekly uh, uh, events, some micro events, some large, some small, like Infocom, for example, this week down south is happening. And by participating virtually in those events, you can really get a wide, wide, a wide voice. Uh, so really focus on hashtags around telecom, I think is important. Also following, you know, opinion leaders and uh, vendors in the telecom space so that they're aware of who you are. Again, these communities aren't millions of people, so it is quite, quite accessible to kind of reach out and engage with the top few hundred voices in the telecom space. And through that, build some really great uh, relationships. Great. And as a follow-up, Calvin asks, is cloud still a good tool for social influence metrics? And are there any other tools similar to cloud? Yeah, there, it's, it's, 
you know, it's it's still a good tool. I mean, good is relative, I guess. It's it's a little bit of a black box. No one really understands exactly what goes into a cloud store. I think it's more for benchmarking yourself and are you going in the right direction and, and how is that trending over time As also and also trying to find people who are out there uh, based on their cloud score and who might be influencers you might engage with. I think the other way to use cloud is more for curation. It's a pretty good tool for content discovery and sharing on the website. If you haven't tried it, it's worth a look and it's free and it's a really good way to find cool content to share. Um, you know, on the website, still net promoter score is still a pretty important metric. And then there are the guys like on Analytica and Right Relevance and others who, who measure influence and Moz and others. And so, you know, those are some other places to go. But, um, you know, it's early days for this whole idea of uh, influencer scoring. Uh, next question is from Mo Nezarati, CEO of Zang in Toronto, Ontario. So Mo asks, what are your thoughts about using automation or bots to increase your social profile? Yeah, I'm a fan of, of partial automation. So bots don't buy you much, uh, you know, unless you're President Trump and you have, you know, half your followers are bots. But um, we'll dig there. Um, but I think automation is great. And if you can use scheduling tools, uh, I, I, you know, I love uh, Buffer, for example. I use a tool called XIQ which uses IBM Watson to go find content and present it to you. I use uh, um, DrumUp, which is an automation tool. It'll like pull in the hashtags, pull in uh, handles to put them into a tweet for you. So there are lots of ways to save time and to be more efficient. If Then is a great tool for like cross posting and cross tweeting from LinkedIn to Twitter and so forth. So and on and on, there are just so many tools I can't even mention them all. Um, but that would be my recommendation for efficiency, uh, efficacy sake. Okay. Our last question is from Amir Illin, BNI director consultant of Northern New Jersey. So Amir asks, we're being told to do SEO, pay-per-click, social media, and are being bombarded with salespeople or automated recorded phone calls several times a day. How do we know who to go with? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I mean, uh, you know, there there are just a ton of agencies, and uh, you know, I think it's um, I think it's important to get on social and again see who who you respect and admire, and see who's doing good work in terms of content, who has really professional uh, social handles, and who over time you build some respect for. And then, you know, go go based on that versus a sales pitch or, or something else. I think if you follow a particular agency or an account or a marketing influencer, or marketing thought leader, and you really like what they're doing and they're consistent and you follow them for weeks and months, then there's a good chance, you you know, they'd be a particularly good, you know, vendor partner for you. So I do it based on that experience versus, uh, you know, the random way of searching or Google search or taking uh too many inbound calls. The, the people who are doing really well in marketing aren't out there pitching outbound stuff all the time. Great. Thank you so much, Evan. So, so tell me, how did you get started with social influencing and what you do? Yeah, no, I was, I was working uh, in the business and sales and biz dev and using social really more of a selling tool. I was at uh, audio codes and then Acme packet then Oracle. And so I was just a real social fanatic. And um, 
you know, when I was looking to get out of the corporate rat race, I found, wow, there's really an opportunity to go out and evangelize and, and, uh, and go from there. So it really was almost, uh, you know, personal passion that I managed to pursue professionally. Great. And what was that decision when you said, Hey, um, let's, let's leave the rat race. Well, I, you know, I had a sort of a side gig, if you will, of, of, uh, helping a client or two on the side on, on evenings and weekends. And I found that that side gig, that side hustle, I guess, is all the rage now, was uh, robust enough to go out and really make, turn it into a full-time opportunity. And, uh, you know, I think the key was selling and finding, lining up uh, initially, you know, a dozen or more clients so that it could be a, a full-time career. So I'd say, you know, People should start if they're interested in this as a side hustle, side gig, and, and, and you know, find a client or two and see if that could be translated into more over time. And that's great advice as well. So as you were building your business, what were some of the challenges, some of the ups and downs you experienced along the way? You know, I'd say it's, um, you know, it was more about, you know, finding the right fit, you know, all clients, aren't necessarily a good fit. So it's finding that, 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 that good alignment in terms of what you can deliver versus what's expected. And then it's just a matter of refining your offer. So it's really a matter of how much value can you provide and how, how can you demonstrate that value in the best way? You know, in my, in my world, that means, you know, generating, you know, not just leads, but lots of referral traffic and um, massive engagement and, and that took time to understand what, what the value proposition was. So I'd say, you know, go out and iterate and, and modify your change tax and find, you know, find that sweet spot over time, I think is the key. Yeah. And then also, like you said, over time, it really, it really has. Yeah. I mean, at one point I, you know, I had, you know, three or four clients. And so it's, you know, it's a really, uh, honestly, if you're a solo practitioner, solopreneur, it's a matter of selling and be comfortable selling and promoting and positioning yourself almost all the time uh, until you're in a position to get sort of inbound traffic opportunities or leads, which, you know, takes a while. Great. Um, Evan, what keeps you motivated every day? You know, I say this industry, is just a fascinating space and there's just constant innovation, constant new development, constant learning and discovery. And so it's always, you know, something new and exciting. Uh, whether it's 5G or IoT or new wireless technology or applications or what's happening in mobile, it's just a fascinating space to be in. So I think that intellectual curiosity is interesting. And then I've been able to travel all around the world from China to Dubai to Israel with clients and attending their events and their shows. And, and so that's, you know, that opportunity to actually meet new people and, and travel has been a great part of uh, the job as well. That sounds like a lot of fun. Oh yeah, no, it's a blast. I'm having a blast. And, you know, I'd encourage anyone who's feels trapped by the corporate uh, bureaucracy and rat race. I was in work for big companies, big and small for 25 years to consider, you know, what skills or capabilities they have, they could take out as an independent and offer to those same kind of clients, you know, same customers on your own. So that's, that's kind of what I, I really encourage people to, to do over time. Great. And as a segue to that, so you know the statistic that many small businesses will fail over the first year in business. Um, where do you think entrepreneurs may be going wrong? And what advice would you have for business owners? I'd say focus on cash flow 
and you know don't don't build a business based on borrowed money you know and it's hard it's easy to say if you're in a services business you can build it on the back of clients but even if you're developing a product or a solution or application you know what what is the mvp you know what can you get out there at the uh, you know the minimally viable product that you can start selling and licensing or 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 um, finding customers for right away i'm just a fan of cash flow over everything including you know putting money in credit cards or for looking for investors or that sort of thing and there's so much that can be done these days with 3d printing and, and crowdfunding and other things that can be done for very short money so you know don't go into debt and don't don't borrow money but rather look for revenue generating opportunities at least initially sort of to build the business and to prove out whether what you have is really viable and, and, and can operate as a standalone business over time. Evan, where are you looking to take this business, say, in the next five years? Yeah, I'd say it's, it's really a lifestyle business. So I think um, onwards and upwards in terms of, you know, my industry role and hopefully more opportunities to play a role with startups and participating in equity opportunities and a chance to invest in some earlier stage companies in terms of my time, but also my, my money and help, you know, smaller companies uh, in particular get noticed and grow and, and be successful over time through these, these new channels. So I think, you know, focus more on building my own sort of intellectual property, if you will, my own equity position uh, with some of these early stage tech companies. Evan, what do you like doing for fun? Yeah, I like Twitter. That's kind of that's kind of fun. No, I enjoy. The funny thing is, I, I what I do for work, I I actually enjoy for fun. I mean, I, you know, in terms of I, I have two kids, so of course we have lots of activities and stuff that we do together. But I enjoy water sports, and I enjoy, um, uh, you know, the local history uh, here in Massachusetts, and I travel, of course. But actually, it's there's there's really no work life separation here. So what I do, so it's, you know, I I, I look forward to work every day. Isn't that the best when your when your work life, your personal life are in complete alignment? Yeah, and there there are things that I, you know, there there's aspects to the job that aren't necessarily fun. I don't want to give you the wrong impression, but in terms of the day to day expectation, it's that I'm doing something new and cool and intellectually uh, challenging, and so that's that's the key. Great, um, Evan. Do you have any good book recommendations? Um, you know, I read a lot of uh, historical fiction, so I'm not sure that's too appropriate. You know, I, I find um, I really like audiobooks, so I, you know, I really like reading about computer history and the history of of some of the, the giants in Silicon Valley. Um, I'd say I'm, I'm I'd recommend so any you know any any sort of history of Jobs or Apple is pretty interesting. I've read a few of those over the last year, and you know I think in terms of where I spend my free time, it's more podcasting actually than, than reading these days. I love listening, whether it's spoken word or podcasting content. So I'd really people, encourage people to reach out to me for my favorite podcasts, which include um, you know, some really good marketing ones, tech ones. So any, any spare time I have these days, I'm doing less reading and more listening to podcasts. Great, Are there any, any, any particular ones that you wanna mention right now? The, the founder of LinkedIn has a great, great new podcast. Um, 
So if you if you uh, if you search that, of course, Gary V's audio podcast I find is is, is pretty fantastic, and um, startup startup school is is a really good one. Um, ping me on Twitter, and I can uh, I'll, I'll tweet some of my favorites. Awesome, yeah, we'll do that. Um, Evan, I know you're a busy guy. We're gonna let you go just a bit. Uh, just before we do, how do people connect with you? Yeah, it's really Twitter at Evan Kerstell. Um, and if, if not, uh, LinkedIn is also a fine choice. You can send me an invite. I accept those as well. Great. Uh, Evan, do you have any parting words of wisdom that you'd like to leave the audience with? No, I, I think just uh, kudos to you for doing this video podcast. I mean, I'm uh, not a blogger, but I really admire people who do and do it consistently. And so congratulations. It's a great uh, opportunity. Thank you so much. Uh, it's uh, really been great having you. Yeah, thank you. And we'll be in touch.